Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Carrie Nolan. It's Monday, December 19th, and time for WQXR's Washington Report Online. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, is David Sanger, Chief Washington Correspondent for The New York Times. Good morning, David. Morning, Carrie. David, Kim Jong-il, the leader of North Korea for the past 17 years, died on Saturday, and the North Koreans announced his death last night. So let's start with what is probably the key question. Will North Korea's military put up with Kim's 20-something son as the next leader of the country? You know, Kerry, we just don't know right now. The early indications are that he is certainly going to be in a leadership position. He was announced last night as the head of the funeral committee for his father, which is the role his father played when his father, Kim Il-sung, North Korea's founder, died in 1994. And there are some indications that some North Korean military officials are pledging their allegiance to Kim Jong-un. But let's face it, he's only in his 20s. He's never had any significant military experience. There is a fair bit of intelligence evidence to suggest that many in the North Korean leadership do not want a third generation of a dynasty that has driven the country to be the most isolated, starving nation in Asia. You've followed North Korea for more than two decades. You've also visited there. What's Kim Jong-il's legacy? Well, I think that he'll have two or three big legacies. The most notable one is that he got North Korea to a position that his father had dreamed about, which is to make it a nuclear weapons state. He tested two nuclear weapons, one in 2006 that was sort of a fizzle, another in 2009, right after President Obama came into office. Um, These are not weapons that particularly threaten the United States, at least for now, but it showed that he could make a weapon, something the Iranians, for example, haven't managed to do yet. The second thing is that he kept the country together at a time that many believed, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, that it simply couldn't last. I mean, when you go to North Korea, you see the level of, of starvation, you see the absence of industrial production, you know, I left there in 1992 convinced the place would be gone in two or three years. Well, boy, was I wrong, and he held it together. Now, he did that in part by cajoling the Chinese to help keep his country alive. Well, you do hear people wondering whether Kim's death could trigger a North Korean collapse. What's your take on that? Every scenario for North Korean collapse that has any particular saliency to it usually begins with the death of Kim Jong-il and proceeds into a power struggle between the military and others uh, within North Korean society. Now, whether we see that fracturing or not, it may take months, maybe even a few years to see. Uh, But uh, my guess is that the strains that the country has been under simply could not go on forever. We've seen in the Arab Spring many countries in much better shape that fell apart under uh, some new form of stress. And it's not clear right now the North Koreans can take any more forms of stress. South Korea's news agency announced this morning that North Korea has tested a short-range missile. Is there any significance to this, or might it just be business as usual? Well, it may be tantrum as usual, Kerry. It could be that the North Koreans are simply trying to send a don't-mess-with-me message. And they've done this at various moments when they have felt particularly threatened. These missiles are short range. They 
they had very little chance of hitting anything other than the water. Uh, but it is sort of the impulsive reaction of the North Korean military to lash out and say, don't get anywhere near us. And in fact, you may notice that they said explicitly last night there would be no foreign leaders invited to Kim Jong-il's funeral. The interesting question is, would they invite the Chinese, who of course are the country that's keeping them alive with oil and food? As you mentioned earlier, the North Koreans have tested two nuclear weapons, and there's speculation they have the fuel for at least eight more. When your country is starving and isolated from almost all of the rest of the world, do nuclear weapons help? Well, they may help in one area, Kerry, which is that North Korea's biggest fear is that it would be overrun the way Saddam Hussein's Iraq was overrun. And in fact, after uh, Libya fell earlier this year, the North Koreans said outright that the big mistake the Libyans made was giving up their nuclear weapons program. So they may help keep the country somewhat independent. But, you know, Colin Powell, when he was Secretary of State and before that, when he was Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, had this wonderful line. He said, you can't eat plutonium. And in the end, that may be Kim's biggest legacy. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you, Kerry. New York Times Chief Washington Correspondent David Sanger. I'm Carrie Nolan, and that's The Washington Report on Classical 105.9 FM WQXR.